0: You can be in Chapter One, and I'll say until I get to chapter two i'll be in chapter one but it's uh it's just where the lord uh, the Lord has me i i uh, i've gotten a tremendous amount out of this uh, as i've studied through it and allowed the Lord to deal with my heart in 112 through 20, and we've read that for weeks, and we're going to read it again this morning, Revelation 1:12 through 20. I believe may be the most profound part of this entire book. I know a lot of people look at other parts of it. And it's all profound, so don't get me wrong. but John, I'm going to back up. To verse 9, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches unto Ephesus, Smyrna, and to Pergamon, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And having turned, I saw. And I know I've emphasized this a number of times, but I'm going to emphasize it again. Having turned, I saw. So the so the significance of John turning was seeing. So he heard a voice that was speaking. And he turned to see the voice, and when he turned, he saw. And he saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the breast with a golden girdle, or a with a golden girdle. And his head and his hair were white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet likened to burnished brass, as it had been refined in a furnace, and his voice as the voice of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth proceeded a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, notice this word saw again, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, having the keys of death and Hades, or death and hell, according to the translation you're reading. Write, therefore, the things which thou sawest, and the things which are, and the things which shall come to pass hereafter, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars, are the angels of the seven churches. Amen. And the seven candlesticks are the seven churches. So, he's setting forth a mystery here in the book of Revelation, which the, which the entire book is, is a book of a mystery. Notice what it said, a mystery. And the title kind of gives away the Revelation, the book of Revelation, or the, or the first few verses, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the book's really about, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And if we don't see it as the Revelation of Jesus Christ, we will probably miss the meaning of the book, because that's what it is. It's the Revelation of Christ. And. John sees Christ when he turns to see. He sees Christ in the seven golden candlesticks. And I said that's probably the, the most profound part of this book because many people read over this of Christ in the candlesticks and they move on and try to figure out the rest of the book. I've tried to figure it out for years. For years I've wanted to know it. For years I've wanted to understand it. And and somewhere the Lord got my heart to realize I can't know anything unless He teaches me. So unless I come to the place to allow Him to teach me, I won't know what it means. I'll I'll project what I think it means. But I won't know what it means. It's, It's taught of God and it's taught in the person of Jesus Christ. Until I see it through the lens of Christ, I won't understand what it means. And that's what John begins to do. He's seeing from the lens of Christ. He's, not, he's losing his natural sight, if we can hear it, and he's seeing our spiritual sight. Amen. And see, that's, that's one of the things we, we have to do. And I'm not talking about your eyesight, I'm talking about the sight of your heart. Moving from natural sight to spiritual sight. Seeing by the Spirit of God. And that's what John did. When he turned to see, he saw seven golden candlesticks and one in the seven golden candlesticks. So in the seven churches was one. Just one. And he appeared in a very specific way. And we've dealt for weeks on the feet of brass. We've dealt for weeks. On, the, on the, being clothed with the garment, we've looked at, at the brass signifying the death of the cross and all that the cross speaks of its death. We've looked at the garment signifying the high priest and the change of the order of the priesthood as declared in the Scripture. And now we're looking at His countenance this morning. We're starting to look at the countenance of the Lord. So So what I want us to consider here is what John saw by was the countenance of the Lord. How, I wrote a question out and I said, How did John see? Amen. Verse 16. Verse 16 of this chapter. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, which we know that's the Word of God. And his countenance, was as what? The sun. So how John sees is through the countenance of the Lord. The countenance was as the sun. What does the sun do? It shines, and what else does it do? It gives light. So when the sun moves away from the earth, what happens? As the earth revolves around the sun, what happens? Go you, you you go into light and darkness right according to the positioning, but here John sees by the countenance of the Lord, and so so this is a whole different sight than the sight of natural of the natural sun. This is a whole different seeing. It's not natural seeing. It's through the countenance of the Lord now. Zechariah prophesies of a day, if you you want to turn back, I'm just going to read the one verse, but I've put verses here, 6 through 9. I'm just going to read the one verse that's on your paper for now. He says, On that day there will be no light, no cold or frost. It will be a day known only to the Lord, without day or night, but when evening comes, there will be light. Now we read this, and if I read it by natural understanding, I'm looking for a physical day, like Zachariah says. But he's not speaking of a physical day, he's speaking of Christ. And he goes on here in this, in this uh, if you go back and read all these verses, I said I'm not going to, and here, here, here I'll want to jump back there and do it anyway, but I'm, I'm trying to move on. If you go back there and read it, he speaks of the Spirit coming in this same place, and the Lord's name being one, and the Lord being king over all the earth. So he's declaring the Lord Jesus Christ in Zechariah. Isaiah 60, No longer will the sun be your light by day, and the brightness of the moon will not shine unto you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your splendor. And again, most of the time we read this, and people will think out of their natural mind, and they'll look at a natural day. That's what they do. That's what we do. But light has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am what? The light of the world. So until I see that light is still. And He's the light we see by as a Christian. Then I won't comprehend light. I'll only comprehend from the natural sense of light. I won't comprehend from the spiritual sense of light. It's what He says. I am the light of the world. So all light, even when you go back in the Old Testament and God created the heavens and the earth and He made light, That natural light that He made was speaking of the light that was going to come in the person of Jesus Christ. And what did the light do? It divided the darkness from the night. What does Jesus do? He divides the darkness from the night. He's who divides it. See, without Him, there's no division of darkness and light. You know that? There is none. He is a division of light and darkness. And then it's to understand what light and darkness is. Well you come to flip to Mark 10. I have to slow down because I want to preach and take off and and run. Because that's what I like to do. Verse 46, and they came come to Jericho, and as he went from Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, the son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the wayside, or Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him that he should hold his peace, but he cried out the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on I me. Mean, this is so significant what Bartimaeus says, because if you, if you study the Gospels, what were the Pharisees trying to do? Anybody know? They were, trying to, they were trying to deny that he was the Christ. So when Bartimaeus is crying out, Thou son of David, in other words, he's saying, You're the one that was to come. So he's believing that Jesus was the one to come when he calls him Son of David. Because Son of David goes back into the prophets that Christ was going to come from the lineage of David. So thou, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and said, Call ye him. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good cheer, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Rabboni, that is, I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And straightway he received his sight and, what? Followed him. So he didn't just receive his sight. He followed him in the way. Notice that. When he received his sight, he began to follow him. And in a spiritual sense, that's exactly what happens. When we receive our sight, we should sell out and follow him. Amen. Now, I believe in him naturally healing eyes. So don't don't get me wrong. I believe in natural healing, but everything here has a spiritual significance. Bartimaeus could not receive his sight until Jesus came. It was impossible. Because man couldn't receive sight till light come Because he's light. So man, up until Jesus coming in the form of man, man had no sight. Whether he was naturally blind or naturally could see, he had no sight. And many men in the earth have no sight from God. They have eyesight. And, I, and, I, and again, I don't want to belittle someone being blind because that has to be just a horrible thing to be blind. But a lot, of, a lot of people that are blind live full and prosperous lives. But you may have eyesight, natural sight, but not have any spiritual sight. And what changes sight is light. And light deals with the person. That's that's what John saw in Revelation. Was one. I turned to see the voice, and he saw one in the midst the seven colors of seven colored candlesticks, and his countenance was bright as the sun. So the light that he was seeing from was the light of the Lord. Yes. Was a whole other light. Glory to God. And so we that are born again are born to see. So you turn to John 3. John 3. We'll just go read several verses here. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came unto him by night, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that thou doest, except God be with him. Now now as I stop here, and I look at Nicodemus, Nicodemus is what? A Pharisee. And he comes at night. And this is significant. He come at night in a natural sense because he didn't want the rest of the people to know he come. He didn't want the other Pharisees to know he was coming to Jesus. Because here he is coming, a Pharisee. Tells you he's a Pharisee, ruler of the Jews. And he comes to Jesus by night. And from a spiritual sense, Nicodemus was in the night. So he comes, and Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except one be born again, or born anew, he cannot see. What can he do? He can't see the kingdom of God. So unless you're born again, anew or above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You're blind to it. It can be right in your midst, and you won't see it. And, and, if you, and if you look at that, look at what Nicodemus said to him, what, how does this even have anything to do with what Nicodemus said? If you go back up and you read it, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come for God, for no one can do these signs that thou doest except God be with him. Because Jesus was the kingdom of God in, in manifestation, that's how. Unless you be born again, you cannot see. The kingdom of God. Yeah. So, he, so he, he, he throws out to him, you've got, you, you got to be born again. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except one be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Kathy, you want to shut that door? <laughs> or, or Dave... That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto them, You must be born anew. The wind blows where it will, and thou hearest the voice thereof, but knowest not whence it cometh, or whither it goeth. So is every one born of spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto them, How can... Notice what Nicodemus says. How can this be? Now Jesus is answering him. You know, we read a lot of a lot of verses of scripture and we don't see sometimes Nicodemus asks a question. Yeah. How is this going to be? Jesus answers, said, Art thou teacher of Israel and understand not these things? So you go, go back to the start of the chapter, what did it say? Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee. So Jesus just puts it to him and says, You mean you're a teacher? And you don't understand this? You're a teacher of the Jews. You're coming to me. And again, if you go and read the Gospels, the Pharisees hated, for the most part, Jesus. So here is Nicodemus, a Pharisee, coming to him by night. And Jesus confronts him. Hey, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Verily I say unto thee, we speak that which we know, And bear witness of that which we have seen. And you receive not our witness. If I told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So the new birth, what he's talking about is the new birth. Is he not? It's what they're talking about. Can everybody follow me so far? They're talking about the new birth. Are they not? I'm asking a question. Are they? Sure they are. What does He call it? Heavenly. He's calling the new birth a heavenly thing. And see, a a natural birth is a earthly thing. Is the Spirit of God heavenly? Yes. So if you're born of the Spirit, now this ain't in my notes, so you're getting, you're getting extra. So, if you're born of the Spirit, what would that make you? Earthly or heavenly? So you, see, you've got to answer that question. Is, is that true or is that False. See, because here, here's a big issue in Christianity with Christians, with born-again Christians. They, to a certain degree, we think, I won't say they think, but we think, including myself, we think we're just an old man made better. That ain't true. That's a lie. But that's what we think. That we're just an old man that got our sins forgiven. No. Jesus tells Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. Flesh. He divides it. See, He's light, right? Remember, I told you He's light. And light divides what? Darkness. That which is born of the flesh is what? No way you can slice it. It's flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit. And he said, if I tell you of heavenly things, so, so here we have to get a hold of this, heavenly things are spiritual things. Amen. That's why heavenly things are. They're of the Spirit. Natural things are earthly things. It's that simple. Amen. may not be simple, but, it's, but that's the truth. Verily I say unto you, we speak what we know, we bear witness of that which we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I told you of earthly things that you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Remember what Nicodemus is asking. How will this be? How will these things be? And no one ascended into heaven but he that descended out of heaven, even the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And we'll stop again. This is how it will be. This is how you're going to be born again, Nicodemus. This is how this is going to come about. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, they're going to lift me up. They're going to, yes. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on Him may have eternal life. Yes. Yes. Now here, here we get an eternal life. Mark that in your heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Mark it again. Eternal life. For God sent not the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. He that believeth on Him is not judged. He that believeth not hath been judged already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God... And this is judgment that what? Light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than the light, for their works were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, and cometh not to the light, lest their works should be reproved. But he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his works may be manifest, that they have been wrought in God. Flip with me back to John 1. And, and verse 4. John 1, 4. In him. In who? Him that's in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. In him was life. <coughs> So when I talk about eternal life, I'm talking about what's in Christ. See, see, here, this big mystery of life, we're going to have eternal life and live forever. That's, that's true. That's true. So I don't want nobody to lose me. But it's what is life. See. We we perceive that having eternal life is me as I am, someday physically living forever. Jesus says to Martha, I am. He says to her, he is what? I am the resurrection and what? The life. So life is Him. In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. So if I don't have the life in me, I don't have the light in me. I can't see. Because what gives sight, and that's what Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again to see, right? So in order to see... I've got to have another kind of life in me, than that's the life. So seeing by the Spirit is a whole different life. Any way I slice it. Any way I slice it. So, so I see through Him. Because He's my life. Because my life is not the natural man anymore. Why? Because I've been born of Him. See, see what we have to do with. If I can kind of paint a picture. If I could paint, I can't paint. But if I could paint, if I painted you a lap, not the most artistic person. I'm not good at drawing, not good at painting. I sure can't play the drums. So, so if I could paint the picture though, when Jesus said to Nicodemus when Nicodemus said, "How will this be?" he says, "The Son of Man's got to be lifted up as the serpent in the wilderness. That's how this is going to be. You're going to reckon yourself dead through my me being lifted up." You're going to come to death of this old man. You're going to understand that when I died, you died. And you're going to come to life by me. That's how it's going to be. So when I get born again, I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. That's not the truth. I'm a new creation created of God in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. And I'll either hear that and walk in it, or I won't. And if I hear it, I'll turn to see it. Just like John heard the voice, and he turned to see the voice. And a lot of times what we turn from, and you, you, you talk about John, John was a Jew. And if you study the Scriptures, I was reading somewhere this morning and last night, and it, and it was in the book of John. It's probably chapter 8 through 11. I can't remember now, but somewhere in there, they, they were mad at Jesus because you're making yourself greater than Moses. You know, you're making yourself greater than Abraham. And, and We follow Moses, they said. Well, you follow Moses. But Moses won't bring you to life. See, see, I go back and read the book of Moses, and I do, I do that a lot, because Moses speaks of Christ. But I read it looking for Jesus. So when I read the book of Moses, the book of Moses, which is really Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, what Numbers Deuteronomy, I do that looking for Jesus. Because it testifies of him, and I see it declaring him. But if I get stuck there in my, you know, in Moses, and that's what the Jews were, and this is my point with John. John turned to see the boy. John was a Jew, so as a Jew, he grew up in Judaism. Okay. So, so you 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 ever met Jewish folks today? I know some that, that are natural practicing Jews. And they, and it, probably not as as it was in that day, but they were probably schooled in their religion a whole lot more than Christian people were. So they were schooled at being Jews. And they believed the law of Moses, right? So John turned, you know, he, he, he was already a believer. Would, would you believe John was already a believer? Amen. Sure he was. He's already a believer. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I turned to see the voice. And he turned and saw. And a lot of what John turned for, from, I believe, and I'll note, say, I believe, was religion. Same as Paul. Paul was a Pharisee. Okay, Go back and read Paul's story. And Paul begins to teach grace through Jesus Christ. Now, he was a Pharisee, a, a, a knower of the law of Moses. It's what he grew up in. So when when the Lord got a hold of him, he began to turn. And he began to see the work of the Lord Jesus. And he began to declare the work of the Lord Jesus. And see, in the work of the Lord Jesus, He doesn't leave you an old man just getting by. That's not what He did. He didn't leave us old men just on our way to heaven getting by. No, He made us new creatures. We're born of His Spirit. If we can hear it, we have His very living substance within us. The substance of God is in you. How? Because you've been born of His Spirit. That's the substance of God. How many believes the Spirit is God? So if the Spirit of God is in me, what's in me is the substance of God. But is that the reality of my mind? No. Most of the time the reality of my mind is what I can see, what I can hear, what I can taste, what I think out of the natural man. And see, what God is working to do, I'm not going to say try to do because He's doing it. He doesn't try. He does. Alright? So what He is doing is transforming our mind that we don't think the same. See, he, he doesn't try to transform. He does. So he's transforming and renewing our mind to the mind of the Spirit. To where my origin isn't my mother and father. My origin is Christ. It's a whole different origin. A whole different man. A whole different creation. Turn to John 10. John 10. I'm going to go a couple more places and we'll be done this morning. Lord, help us. John 10. Jesus said, I'm the door, verse 10, verse 9. I am the door, and I, And when he says this, I go back in my heart and my mind to the Old Testament door of, of the children of Israel. The picture I see here is when the children of Israel first sacrificed the lamb. The first place, where did they first sacrifice the lamb? They first sacrificed it in Egypt. Yeah. And they took blood and they painted over the door, right? Put the blood over the door. And they entered into the door. You, you ever get that part of it? They take the sacrifice. They're, they're in Egypt. They take the sacrifice. They paint, put the blood over the door. And they go into the door. You ever get that part? They enter into the blood-stained door. Yeah. And they enter into that blood-stained door to do what? To eat the lamb. Why'd they have to paint the door? They had to identify with the blood of the Lamb. So he says, I'm the door. In other words, you're going to have to identify with my blood. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out, and shall find pasture. For years, I'd read this for years, and I had my idea of what this meant. You ever had your idea of what something meant? And I'm sitting before the Lord and the word origin just begins to come in my spirit. And I just keep hearing origin, origin, originate. I started looking it up. That's what I do. I started looking up these words. I started getting my, uh, I've got my strongs on the computer, but I started getting my strongs out and going into the word. The 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 word used for that word, I don't remember how far down the line I went, but I go into the word. The word used for that word, and so on and so forth, and guess what one of the words was? What was the meaning of one of the words? Origin. So in the definition, this was in my spirit, and I start looking. And I and then I see what he's saying. I am the door by me if any man enter in. If any man enter into the door, that remember what I said, I am the door. If any man enter into the door, okay. if any man enter into me, he shall go in to him. Let's, let's keep the picture of the door. He shall go into him and come out. Originate out of him. Come out of him. Go in and out and find pasture because the origination is no longer in the old man. You go into Him. He's the door. And you come out of Him. You're birthed out of Him. Your, your life is out of Him. It's no longer in the old man. And then you find pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me We're into green pastures. And the green speaking of fruit. It's green. It's lush. So so we originate out of Him. And and, and you say, well, Brother Wayne, where else does that go? to Galatians. Paul says, verse ah, 13. Just read the whole book and you'll find it. Galatians 1.13 it says, see, if you start in chapter one, you'll really find it. That's where I'm at. For ye have heard of my manner of life in times past in the Jews' religion. See here, he was in the Jews' religion. He was a Pharisee. How that beyond measure I purchased, I persecuted, not purchased, I persecuted the church of God and made havoc of it. And I advanced in the Jews' religion. What did he advance in? The Jews' religion. Beyond many of mine own age among my countrymen, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But when it was the good pleasure of God... Say good pleasure of God. See, so here's the key. When it was God's good pleasure who separated me even from my mother's womb. What did he separate from? His mother's womb. Now, now I'm going to... This mother's womb to me represents two things. It represents the natural man. It also represents his Jewish religion. Because he was birthed in Judaism. And when God separated him from his mother's womb, his Judaism, what did God do? Call me by His grace to reveal His Son. He doesn't write to him. He didn't say, I learned all there was about Jesus. He said he revealed him in me. What did John see in Revelation chapter 1? He saw Christ in the church. What does Paul say happened to him? God revealed his son in me that I might do what? Preach him. You You know what Paul's mark was? He preached Christ. He come in one place. He wrote in one place that I determined to know nothing among you, nothing, but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, because it's that crucifixion that separates the world, separates the world. It separates everything. It separates the natural man from the spiritual. Jesus came into the natural. Jesus was not natural. John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So, Jesus was God. John 1, verse 1, He came into the world. And He brought us through the cross out of it. Now, we're in the world, Jesus says, but we're not what? Of the world. What he says. How am I not of the world? Through him. See, see, this is why I have to have spiritual sight. If I don't have spiritual sight, I'll still think I'm of the world. I'll still, I'll still live as if I'm a practicing, almost a practicing Jew. You you realize many believers, many Christians, many people filled with the Holy Spirit live their life almost like they're in old covenant Judaism. Yes. Yes. They do that because they don't understand Christ. I did. So I don't I I don't make little of that because I did it myself. But I know what it does to you. It keeps you in bondage, it keeps you in fear, it keeps you in slavery. All these things that we sung about this morning, that I, I, my, my sins are gone, I've been set free. Instead of my sins are gone, I've been set free. Many of God's people don't feel that way. You know what? God's people. You don't, you don't have to worry about the world right now. We're, I'm talking to God's people. Many of God's people can sing that song, but on the inside, they don't feel like their sins are gone. Because they, they haven't comprehended Christ. See, when I comprehend Christ, my sins are gone. In the measure I know Him, what I'm talking about comprehension, that's what, and, and, and Paul uses that word in Philippians, that I may comprehend that for which I'm apprehended up, or I may apprehend that which I'm comprehended of, like I reverse them sometimes, Calvin. So that'll force you to go back and look. But he's wanting to understand what Christ has done. So he says, I pressed for the mark. So Paul set down everything he had in his life to understand what Christ has done. That's how it was with Paul. I want to know. And as, as I've walked this way and begin to be taught of the Lord, what I'll tell you is you read in the Bible of life, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. <laughs> I'm not telling you I walk in them all the time because I'd, be, I'd be untruthful if I did. But I really see them. I see joy in the midst of turmoil. I see peace when you can, you can look in, in the natural world that I'm in sometimes and you can say, well, how are you peaceful? How, how are you not panicking? How is everything not all messed up? Because my life is Him. He's really my life. And he's becoming more so every day. You know, in reality he's not, but I'm realizing more of my life. That may be the the proper way to say it, because he's already been my life. I just haven't realized. That's what he said. I am the resurrection of life. I have come that you might have life. And he raised us up out of Adam into Christ. If 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 people would just hear that little bit of of gospel truth, you were an Adam. How many believe the Bible says you were an Adam? Raise your hand. How'd you get an Adam? How'd you get there? You got you were born. Now how'd you get in Christ? There you go. You're in Christ. So you're in Christ. See, so you're raised up out of Adam. Adam's earthly. Let's, let's talk about this being raised up for a minute. Just, just follow me. Adam's earthly, right? He's of the earth and earthly. Paul writes that. Christ is heavenly, right? Is heaven over the earth, above the earth? Follow me for a minute. Earth, heaven. So if I get raised up out of the earth into Christ, where might I be? In Him, heavenly. In Adam, I'm earthly. My mind is earthly. My speech is earthly. My understanding's earthly. Everything about it is earthly. My perception of God's earthly. Everything's earthly. And there's no cure for that but Christ. See, there's zero cure. I can come give you all the, I can tell you all the things, I can learn all science, I can learn whatever, but I can't cure that. The only thing that can cure, cure that is Him, is, being, is moving out of the carnal mind and into the spiritual mind. The only way to get the spiritual mind is Him. See, I can't get to be spiritually minded without Him. Because the spiritual mind is His mind. That's what Paul writes. You have the mind of who? Christ. He says you have his mind. That's what he writes. We can either receive that or not, but Paul writes that you have the mind of Christ. So you get raised out of that earth into him. And all this happens through his death because he died to the earth. That's what he died to. He was buried to the earth, put away. That's what a burial is. You put put away. And he was resurrected by spiritual life, man didn't have a thing to do with it. zero, and so everything that he did applies to you and me, and that's what your salvation is—everything he did. But I don't comprehend everything he did, and that's what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. I know. I know. I grew up in the Pentecostal church, and. And I speak in tongues. I believe in it. I wholly believe in it. So I'm not speaking wrong of that so nobody misunderstand me. Okay, what I'm getting ready to say. I fully believe in it. So In fact, I probably do it every day. I think I do do it every day. So I fully believe in it. But Jesus said the Spirit would come and teach you all things in regard of Him. And I think sometimes we miss the purpose of Spirit, now he, now he does all these other things. You know, He makes us happy, makes us shout, makes, makes us uh, dance, makes us do all kinds of things which are wonderful. Nothing against them. I believe in him, But He come to teach us all things concerning Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And that's how we experience Christ. Is through the Spirit of God. And that's John 16. If you go and read John 16, they'll tell you this. That He shall come and He shall take of mine and show it to you. That's why He says. He's going to take of mine all of things of His and He's going to show it. And that into that ain't, that ain't our natural senses, that's on the inside. That's the inside part of you. It's like, like Jesus said, you must be born again. Well, your body didn't get born again, did it? You, got, you come to the new birth, and your body's the same body, and it's got older every day. I would have liked for it to went back and got younger and rejuvenated. And all those things, but it just didn't work that way because he was speaking to the inside of me, to the heart, the soul, the mind. You must be born again. The soul, you, that's who you are, the soul, must be born again of His Spirit. And He births you into Him that now He can fill you up with Himself. You've been filled up with everything but God in the natural realm. But in the Spirit, you'll be now filled with God. And that's really what He's doing is filling us up with himself. Well, I've I've made it 2 weeks in a row under an hour. These are the